hear so much about the next generation, don't we? But what we don't hear is that they are extremely open to things of the Bible and truth. The Great Exchange has taken the gospel to college campuses in a completely different way. John Dean's here to tell us all about it. And John, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you, Jules. I'm enjoying this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Well, good, because, you know, we just started. So that's good that you're enjoying it. Yeah, we had the conversation already. We started. We started. Now we started. Now we started. Now 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 it's a start sign. Okay, great. All right, what are you learning about college students? Because you spend a lot of time with them. We do. It's a great group to relate to right now. One of the things that is true about university students right now is they are at a stage in life where they're beginning to evaluate what's true. They may have heard things throughout their lifetime that they were told were true, but at this philosophical stage in life, they begin to want to evaluate truth for themselves. Well, and and I'll have to say, before this podcast started, before John and I started recording, we were having a conversation, and John, you, you, you put it really politely, or I would say, well, and all the stages of our life, and therefore what college kids, what stage they're in. Right. There's basically four philosophical stages of life, and the first stage is the stage of wonder, and that's why little children want to know where do worms go in the winter. Um, Then the stage of belonging is where do I fit in? I know that I'm a part of my family, but can I fit in uh, other places? A stage of belonging. And middle schoolers will get that group together. And university Mm. students show up on campus, and it takes them about 20 minutes to find their identity group that lasts for the next four years. That's right. And sense of belonging. But then the third stage is the stage of truth. And that begins 18, 19, 20 years old, and you begin to think, well, I've heard things that were true. Hmm. said to be true, but now I need to evaluate these for myself. In relating to university students now, this is when we'll do lightweight apologetics, uh, just beginning to evaluate truth. And the last stage is the stage of security. And that's more, most of what's where I am as a 69-year-old, stage of security. But the, the mistake I think that people make, both Christians and um, others, is that we live through these stages, we pass through them, rather than staying in the stages. And as, as believers, we should remain in those stages. There should be as much wonder in our life now as there ever has been before. Mm. And our sense of belonging has been accomplished by what Christ has done by adopting us and placing us into his life and his kingdom. Yeah. And then that sense of truth that we have. And then this a security that's done. And so that's all wrapped up for us. And so it gives us a sense of contentment and excitement about what Jesus has done on our behalf in those areas. But the university student is at a place of evaluating truth. And extremely open to things of the Bible? Because, yeah. that, that, John, that does not track with what we think about college kids today. Yeah, I'm 69 years old. Most of my friends would say, well, all university students are atheists. They don't believe in God anymore. Liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, uh-huh. and, sure. But it's just not true. What we, when we approach a university student, we ask them, to take a few moments and answer some questions in a little survey or an interview. And we have nine questions. And the last, uh, one of the questions is, do you believe in God? And 98% say yes. Now, it's not the God of the Bible, but they believe there's some higher power, something somewhere that's bigger than they are, that's, that's hopefully that's in control. And then, and then the last question we ask on the survey is, if you could know God, would you like to? And 98% of the students say yes. That's atheist, Baptist, Christian. I'm sorry, you said 98% say yes. Yes, they they would like to know God personally. Wow, 
Wow. All right. And so knowing what you know about this generation, that they are extremely open and they're looking for truth, how did that shape when you formed The Great Exchange? We had started, a, a, along with our youth pastor and another guy, my, excuse me, my college pastor at our church and an older guy that got older than me, they had started a Bible study with young men, young guys in their 20s, and they're growing spiritually. Then, you know, we realize if these guys don't start sharing their faith, they're going to stall out spiritually. It's just, just going to stall out for them. The reason they're not sharing their faith is because they never see us do it. We never model it for them. And so we decided, well, let's go on campus with them and have conversations and see what happens. And we could not find a young guy who wouldn't talk to us. We would say, would you tell us about your, do you have a spiritual background? Tell us about your spiritual thinking. They would all say, sure, I'll tell you. And they they would listen. The the old model of sharing the gospel, going out and, and talking about Jesus doesn't work anymore because you're saying conversation, conversation, conversation. And I feel like the old model was, I'm going to talk at you. Right. Con- confrontation. Confrontation. Yeah. And so, you know, many believers think that what the great exchange is, is it's confrontational. But confrontational evangelism doesn't really work. Conversation does. And so what we find, like I have a, a retired um, IT guy that comes on campus with us, and um, he's an old guy like me. And We'll ask questions from the students, and the last question says, would you like to know God? And they say yes. And my friend Tom has been flabbergasted because students will say, well, because you listened to me, now I will listen to you. So by showing respect towards the student, he returns respect to you. Mm -hmm. And then we just simply talk about Jesus. Right. Well, and I'm not going to, you know, you've already outed your age. 69? Is that okay? All right. So it's not me doing it. You did it. I just want to highlight this because... I think that people would think um, that I can't relate to this generation. Why would, you know? And, and one of the things you have to, which I was, I was astonished um, that university students wanted to talk to me. What we've discovered is a 20-year-old guy wants to talk to a white-haired man. And a young girl wants to talk to a, a mother or somebody who's been around a while. Hmm. Because by now, you should have figured this out. And he, he, you know, he likes his 18-year-old friends, 20-year-old friends, and, and they're, they're getting good information from him. But there's some validating that goes on when an adult sits down and helps him work through truth. So they value your age. They value the age. And they will talk to you. And they will tell you everything. And, and, it's, like, and, and it's, it's almost as if they're looking for an anonymous conversation. It's not grandmother that I'm talking to. And if I ask a question... And she, she's just, oh, no, oh, no, Bobby's losing his faith. You know, no, he, he just wants to ask the question, Grandmother. So let's, let's let him tick talk through it. Let's, let's go through it. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So if he's the truth, there's no amount of evaluation that can prove it wrong. So let's ask the question. And then be safe that you can ask questions. Yeah, they can ask questions. And I was at, I was at Georgia State, um, and the young man had just, place trust in Christ. And, and he stood and waited 20 minutes to talk to me, just stood there with his hands crossed waiting, and he trusted Christ. And he says, well, I have two questions for you. Well, I have two questions, one for you and one for God. And I said, well, I'll have a hard enough time with my question. You can ask God his question. I don't know if I can <laughs> answer mine. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's easy to say, oh, I, well, yeah, that's a great question, I, and I don't have to have the answers. In fact, it's almost better that I don't have the answers, particularly with my own children. When they ask me a question at this age, I go, 
gosh, Caleb, that's a great question. What do you think? Rather than spilling out all I have to say. Well, and, and that's a different model right there because, I, I mean, I feel like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we had to have the answers. Well, we don't have to have the answers to everything, but we have the ultimate answer to what's happening in the life of the 20-year-old. What's happening is life is not what he thought it was supposed to be. We've taken away means of identity. How do I determine who I am? How do I figure that out? We're, we're kind of promising kids that there won't be a world here 10 years from now. And so there's a lot, of, a lot of that question, which route do I take? Am I going to be fulfilled if I take this particular route? And, and so when the student sits with an adult who's happy and fun and vibrant and having a lot of fun, it's the greatest change, we just want to have fun. We're out, we're smiling, have a great time. We're not confrontational, just, just conversational. And he wants to know, why are you still smiling at this age? And why did your wife stay with you for 37 years? And how did that happen? And your children, and what, what, how did this occur? And you say, well, I've always been a church member. And no, yeah, no. no, no, no. You say Jesus. Uh-huh. And they go, well, what's he got to do with it? Everything. One of the truths that we know today is that every other worldview, when they approach God, that righteousness precedes redemption, that good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. So if you're a righteous person, then you'll be redeemed. Jesus flipped the whole thing over by saying, no, redemption will precede righteousness, but that he would take our place. So the, the, the key verse for the great exchange and the great exchange, the name for the great exchange, we didn't come up with it. Kim Martin Luther named the, our group. Uh, <laughs> Luther called 2 Corinthians 5.21 the great exchange, that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so what Jesus has done is that he has exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And so when we, when we chose the great exchange as, as sort of the title for this thing, it is an exchange of, in conversation, but it's illustrating or de- demonstrating that Christ exchanged his life for ours. And now my, my life is hidden in Christ. It's not what I do for God, what God has done on our behalf. And how, uh, how does ex- the great exchange work? I mean, do you, do you just show up on, the, on a campus somewhere? Well, we, we show up on campus, but, but our intent is to show up on a campus in partnership the Great Exchange is not a ministry in itself. Mm-hmm. It is in an association of churches and ministries. Um, we've now been on 69 different campuses in the United wow. States. Uh, we've been in Baltimore. We've been in Maryland, Kentucky, and uh, Los Angeles, and different places like that. But what we do is we partner with a campus ministry or a church, and um, we get permission to be on campus. Uh-huh. And we will set up a table. And the table has a banner on the front that says, take a survey, get a book. And we have a tent that has a banner that says the Great Exchange. And are you there for one or two days? We, are, we show up um, for, from 10 to 2 on a campus, That's when, and we find the spot where lots of traffic goes on, and we have conversations. And the campus that we're closest to, we'll go on that campus like 16 times a semester. Wow. Um, and some campuses we go once a month, and you know, we're just different. So the different college things. students know what you're about when they see the sign and they see the logo, the Great Exchange. They're starting to get familiar with you. They can see the state, but they don't know what the Great Exchange is. It doesn't have a cross on it. It doesn't identify it as being anything spiritual. 
And so when you, and what we do is, well, the great exchange, we don't have any chairs. You're not allowed to sit. You have to stand up and step out in front. So you get all your stand goals with your Apple? Yes, you can okay. get your watch. Your I mean, watch. you can get your steps yeah. in. There's no yeah, doubt. You can there get, you go. get on your butt easily. And so we step out on the front, and we have a little survey card. And on the card, it has nine questions. And we just ask them their first name. Hi, my name's John. Could I ask you to do a survey with me? Can I ask you a few questions? So what's it about? It's your spiritual interest. Oh, okay. And then we go through the, the nine questions. Where are you from originally? I'm from Uzbekistan. Year, what year are you in Medina? Uh, I'm doing my teaching assistantship here. Okay. This is the first year. First year. And what's your religious background, if I may ask? Um, Islam. And so do you still practice? Do you still go to uh, the mosque yeah, and stuff? I don't go to the mosque. Okay. But I practice. You practice? Okay. So you believe in God, right? Yeah. So what is God like? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Qualities, characteristics? I don't know. Um, kind. Kind? Yeah. Helpful. Helpful? Sounds like God's personal, right? Um. Well, you know maybe by like, that God interacts with people? Maybe, but like not directly. Okay, yeah, not directly, but behind the scenes maybe? <laughs> maybe. Okay, okay. So you probably believe that God's holy and good and righteous. And, okay, all right. So what do you think is mankind's biggest problem? And at the last questions, like I said before, it says, if you could know God, would you like to? And when they say yes, then we say, however you've been trained to share your faith, whoever your pastor, your youth pastor, or your college pastor, however he's trained you, now talk about Jesus. Because mm. and, and there's two, two things that are difficult for us in sharing our faith. One is, how do you bring up the subject matter of Jesus? And that's what the questionnaire is doing. And that's what the questionnaire does. And so how do you move from football to Jesus in a conversation? So the right. questionnaire. And the second question is, how do you close? How do you, how do you help a person actually trust Christ? How, how to do that? With the Great Exchange, we have on the table, we will have a Bible. We have a New Testament. We have Josh McDowell's More Than a Carpenter. We have a book called The Story, just that goes through the, the scriptures, what the, what the Bible's all about. And then it has a video link to it. You can go hear the Gospel on the video link. But there will, there will be only two signature pieces of the Great Exchange for us. It'll be the survey, and it'll be what's called the 21-day challenge. And the 21-day challenge is we'll say to a student, you know, thanks for this conversation. If you'd like to investigate more, give us your contact information. So at the end, we ask for their contact information. And then we give that to the church or the local group. We may be at so, so they're discipled so afterwards. So exactly. You're not just going to blanket it and then not blanket and go. So we, that's why yeah. we partner. Uh-huh. And then you know where where I live. I mean, any campus in in in, in Georgia, there's a hundred churches within thirty miles of every campus here. So there's plenty of places to go to be discipled and to to grow in Christ. And so it's easy just go go. There's plenty of places. But but uh, the. The two signature pieces is going to be our survey, and the second thing is called the 21-Day Challenge. It's a little card, and the challenge is that would you go and read um, the Gospel of John, just read one chapter a day for 21 days, and each day before you read, just say, God, if you are real, and Jesus is the interest, show yourself to me in some way I'd recognize. So rather than give you a New Testament, I want to give you a challenge. The challenge is, you know, people, you're, it's time for you to read this for yourself. Go home and read this on your own and let God, just, just kind of challenging the God. The Holy Spirit do its job. Yes. We know the Holy Spirit's doing the job. So when we, when, we, when we meet at the beginning of our Great Exchange event and we pray together with you, we pray that we would walk in the Spirit, 
talk about Jesus and leave the results to God. All right. Now, I know you said you're on, what, 69 campuses all over, but how many in the state of Georgia? Oh, that's a good question. So we're, um, we've been at dozens of campuses in the state of Georgia, Valdosta State, Columbus. We've been at ABAC. We've been at, at, at um, Fort Valley State. Georgia State. Georgia State. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech once a month. Um, we've been at Shorter College, UNGs, all three UNGs. North um, Georgia College. Yep, yeah, North Georgia all right, and the University of Georgia. So University there, of Georgia. Is there a campus you haven't been to in this state? Sure. There, there, there are, I think there are like 78 campuses in the state of Georgia that are all, all under the regions uh-huh. of the state of Georgia. So the, the harvest is out there. Harvest is there, and, and it, it is incredible. I mean, students will actually stand and wait for you to talk to them. And they're and wide open. And let that sink in. Let that sink in because, I mean, you're really um, changing my, these myths that we all have, that the college kids are not interested. They're not hungry. Whatever stage. I'm too old. I'm too this, this, and this. They wouldn't listen to me. Right. But, but, but those are myths. That's not the they're truth. They're myths. Yeah. And, and we're selling to our high school kids college. College is where you need to go. College is where you need to go. And we're, we're building, we're putting money, our money in the state of Georgia in universities. Right. So they're gathering there. They're brought there. Um, Georgia Gwinnett College, the regents are building that thing up. They just built an engineering school, it is a huge. nursing school. It's huge. Yes. And uh-huh. kids are there. And they're, they're all there. And they're all over from Gwinnett County and all different places. They're all there. People come to my town to go to college and it's not even the main college that's here they try, they come to go to another college that's here and it's like so there's a gathering place for 20 year olds right now that happens in the university level and if if we're going to be thoughtful about what's going to happen in our culture in the next 50 years christians better go after the 20 year old that's our future that's our future leaders. That's the guys who's going to make all the difference. And so if we're going to have an influence, because just in this past two weeks, hundreds of thousands of students have, have packed, unpacked on university campuses all around the country, and they're about to be swept into a worldview that's coming from the university's level, from the secular level, and they're evaluating worldviews now. And so it, it and is— they're a, looking for truth. And I just think, John— about that 20-year-old right now in their dorm looking for truth and nobody there to tell it. Exactly. I mean, last, last Thursday, um, one, of, one of the guys who's a part of our team was on campus, and a lady walked by, and she said, I don't have time right now, but I'll come back later. Usually no one comes back later. They don't stop back by. She came back, and when she spoke with him, she said, I, I just have to say, after I saw you guys here, and I heard it was a, a, a spiritual conversation, I couldn't get it off my mind because I've been trying to figure out how to know God. And she said, I go to church. I've got my child with me at church, and I don't know how to tell my child, and I don't, I'm not getting it. I don't get it. And so my friend went through the gospel with her, and in tears, she trusted Christ. He was in tears. And she is a staff person on that campus. And now we've got connections for her to follow up, for women to follow up with her. And this happens every single time we're there. Now, we had on that day, we had 64 conversations. Two people trusted Christ that day. Which then, once they trust God, um, because you've partnered with local ministries and um, churches, you can instantly put them in contact with someone exactly. to their disciples. Precisely. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so when you began this ministry, 
Because it all started, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you shared that it started with just leading a college Bible study and seeing the, the need to teach these college guys how to share their faith. Did you ever fathom the growth? No. <laughs> I'm I, sure I, no. I mean, how could not you? Not at all. But I could see, hey, this this works, not because it works. These guys and, and now girls, they want, they're evaluating. They want to know. They want to hear this, that they're at, at a stage in life where they're asking questions, and they, want to li- and they want to listen. They are listening. And there is a movement going on with 20-year-olds. It doesn't have the political and showmanship of the 60s, the movement of, the, of the, what's called the Jesus movement right. of the early 60s, late 60s, early 70s, but it's going on. It's happening. And, and, and there's, God's doing stuff with 20-year-olds in a special way. There's two groups that is just stunning to me. One is young African-American males. I cannot meet an African-American male who doesn't want to be in a Bible study everywhere. doesn't matter where. And that culture is going to be distinctively different 100 years from now because of the pursuit of African-American males after truth about Jesus. And the second is mainland Chinese. We cannot meet a mainland. These are scholars coming from China. Every single one of them wants to know about the Bible. Then seven mainland Chinese trusted Christ on our campus last year. Then it's just all we have to do is show up. But we have to show up. We have to have the Chinese over for dinner. You have to let him come into an American home. You have to take time because he has no biblical background, nothing. Hmm. But he's wide open. Atheist, communist. John, when you're talking, what I'm hearing is a quote by um, Henry Blackaby. Where it says, where he said, remember, uh, to look where God um, is at work and then get involved. Get involved. God is at work on our college campuses. And so get involved. Get involved. And God is using our college pastors. Our college pastors are incredible. They've got so much on their plate. Like there's a funnel at at their headquarters and at the bottom of it says campus pastor. And there's all this stuff comes piling in. And they're doing a remarkable, remarkable work. And what what I want to do is invite adults and others, high school kids too, come and participate with these guys. Let's get in on what they're doing, be supportive of them, not competitive, but doing this together. So like in where I live, there might be, there's about 40 different groups that all work together. So when we host a day, maybe it's hosted by one particular church, but people from all kinds of churches show up. It doesn't matter because we're, we're cooperating in a cooperative. Mm, denominations effort. working together, God's right. people. Right, so it's an association of, of churches and ministries. Mm. It's the great exchange. Well, and, and John, um, you know, what stops me from starting a conversation is the fear that it could go sideways. Right. I'm sure you, you have that from sure. time to time, people being hostile to what you have to say. When that starts, how do you um, stop it? How do you redirect it? Well, um, you try to kind of stop it ahead of time by expressing a good bit of respect. For example, I'll meet a 19-year-old, and he says he doesn't believe in God. And I'll go through the survey, and I'll go back. and Well, that's the survey. Can I go back and ask you a question, Paul? You said that at 19, you don't believe in God. And I'll say, you must have done a tremendous amount of thinking to come to that conclusion. You know, how 19, how much thinking can you do? But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but you must have come to a tremendous amount of thinking. What precipitated that for you? Was was there a time you believed in God and then changed your mind, or what happens? And so you address his thinking with respect, and why do you think the way you do? What event caused you to think this way? Exactly. Was it a tragedy? Like with, we've had famous people who had a tragic, they asked God to do something and he didn't. You're addressing it, that there are celebrities even that say, God didn't do this. God didn't do that, I'm bailing out. Or God did this. And, and right. What we know is that God is a missionary God. 
He's a rescuing God. He's on the pursuit after us. He wants us for his own, and he's turning the world over and over to get to us, and, and he does, and he shows up. Now, some persons would say that a man's greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. I don't think so. I think his greatest need is transformation. doesn't just need his sins forgiven. He needs to become a new person. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus, because Nicodemus walked up to Jesus and said, we see the works you do, so we know you came from God. And Jesus turns to Nicodemus and says, unless you're born from above, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. So he's trying to flip it over on him, saying, you have heard that you only approach God by works. I'm saying, I will transform you from the inside out. And that's what happens for us. That's what happened. God came and he changed us from the inside out. And some, some works went quickly, and some have been long lifetime lessons where he's worked on us. What we, what we know is that a person is born from above. You know, they, God just clicks right. in this girl's life on Thursday. It just clicked for her finally. Boom, we get born from above. So the transforming work is really what we're looking for in our life is that transformation. And if there's, if there's a key apologetic for 20 or on any, or any age, it's emptiness. In, in that we're, we're, we're desperate to try to find some solution to the emptiness in our life. God calls it lostness. I'm starting to realize that in every stage, there is a different thing, but it's the same thing. It's so, the same thing. Um, you know, I'm in my 40s, and I'm seeing my friends now trying to fill that with success, with um, the career rising, or the success of their children. But, you know, go back in time in college, it was something else. It was your grades. It was approval of your friends. It was who you're dating, you know? So, yeah, it, it is. It's just depending on what stage you're in. Right. And, and most of these university students, uh, many of them have had great relationships with their parents, tremendous amount of, of encouragement and care, but they have, have watched our culture try to fill this vacuum yeah. with different things, and they're looking at it going, is this really fulfilling? Will this really work? And so they are asking the questions. Mm. All right, so you're using this primarily on college campuses, yes. but it sounds like something that I can use everywhere in my life, my neighbors, my family, my friends. Precisely. We've done the Great Exchange at fall festivals. We'll partner with a church, and we'll go to a fall festival, and they'll have a face painting table, and we'll do surveys with people at a fall festival. Or we've actually started going to baseball tournaments, little kids' baseball tournaments on Saturdays, and setting up by the concession stand and have conversations. And So where people gather. Where people gather. And so we were at Ballfield and Winder, and my young friend is a rising senior you're in high school, a sixth grade baseball player comes over and says, I want to do the survey. And he led him to Christ. And he went over and got his friend and brought him over. And he trusted Christ with Ridge. And now Ridge just pumped. He's, he's, God's, God's using him. <laughs> and for the gospel to go forward and the ministry to continue, volunteers are critical. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons I wanted to be with you is to say, the only thing the greatest change needs is people. We need help. We need folks who will be a part of having these conversations. And, and the willingness to help might be there, but the fear of, okay, but how do I do it? You will train. Yes, we do training. You have, you have, you're with now, this was, this was something that's interesting because in the past, we've talked about evangelism as something you do by yourself. That, you know, you go, the preacher says, you go share with your neighbor. You do this by yourself. There's something that preachers never present in Scripture. Jesus was never by himself except mm. to pray. He always had everybody with him. That's how we knew all this stuff, because they were always there. And um, so when Peter's mother dies, Jesus raises her from the dead. And um, immediately, what does she do? 
she goes and fixes dinner for Jesus. A nice Jewish mom, she's going to fix dinner. But she didn't fix it just for Jesus. She fixed it for 14 people. That's quite a meal. But yeah. because they were all there, they were always there. And so we used the woman at the well. Jesus shared Christ with her. But in 20 minutes, the whole team is there. And then for the next two days, the whole town is out. And one of the things we've discovered with the great exchanges, when there's 5, 10, 15, sometimes 40 of us, they see us laughing, they see us have fun, and there's something to they see the joy. There's some joy. Exactly. The joy of they knowing and loving God. They see the joy of knowing and loving God. They see that well, by participating. So we, we don't ask you to do this by yourself. Come be with us. It's called thegreatexchange.org. That's how to find us on the website. And we have a list of the dates that we have. But, but if you're interested in hosting us on a campus or getting us on your campus or get us in your community, we would love to partner with you. We would love to partic- have you participate with us. So it's greatestchange.org. Look on the look on the website, find the dates, or send us a send us a response, and we'd love to to connect. Mm, yes, yes, and, and pray, you know, pray because you are having divine appointments. That God, I mean, it's not by chance uh, that you were talking about the woman who walked by. I mean, she walked by at the same exact time when she needed to be with the right person and have right. that that conversation. And so I um, pray and pray that um, God will continue to, to use this ministry. And Absolutely. I know he will. What a great. Thank Listen, you. I can't tell you how excited I am. Um, you and I both, John, we live in a college town. And just to hear what is going on just a couple of uh, miles down the road from me is so exciting. And it's not just in our town that John and I live in. It's all over the state. So how incredible. What a great God we serve. Amen. Thank you for having me.